0: I'm Brandon Reed, and you're listening to Real Estate for the Rest of Us, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the world of real estate investing. I want to cut through all the industry jargon and instead serve up actionable and unintimidating information that you can use in your own real estate journey. I interview real estate professionals, and we talk about their real-life experiences. It's real simple. Now let's get into the show. In today's episode, I talk with Jason Courtney. Jason has an incredible story. He's a fantastic example of how real estate can open doors and provide freedom in some incredible and life-changing ways. He's found a strategy in the last five years or so uh, that has changed everything for him. In this interview, he breaks all of that down as we discuss the ins and outs of selling a property via lease option or lease purchase. He acquires the properties either subject to the existing mortgage or through seller financing. Once he has secured the home, he gets to work finding a specific kind of buyer, one that wants to rent the home from him with an option to purchase. There are several facets of this strategy that are extremely compelling. Jason does such a great job breaking it down into understandable chunks. I know you'll learn so much from his insight. I certainly did. Jason was so generous and is offering some incredibly valuable tools for free to real estate for the rest of us listeners. So listen up towards the end of the show and check out the links in the show notes for more information on that. I hope that in this interview, you find practical insights that you can learn from or directly apply as you continue on your own journey in real estate. And now here's my conversation with Jason. All right. um, We have Jason Courtney with us today. Jason, hi. How are you doing today?
1: Doing great, Brandon. Glad to be part of your show.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you being here. Um uh yeah, let's you know what, let's dig right in. Um we had talked a little bit about what we can go into, but let's let's just start here with the first question. Um, Jason, how long have you been uh in the real estate world? Uh how did you first get involved? What what drew you into real estate as an avenue um to build wealth?
1: Um that's a very Good question. So I kind of grew up in the construction business. My dad owned a uh, custom home building company for many years and I grew up sweeping and cleaning up those job sites on the houses that my dad built. So I kind of grew up with a hammer in my hand and started working on crews and building houses. And and it wasn't until uh, uh, 2000 uh, that I got into the uh, financial end of that business instead of so just pounding nails, I started designing and selling homes for my father's company. And uh, I don't think I ever really got excited about real estate uh, providing uh, financial freedom for me though until somewhere around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, something like that.
0: Okay, uh, and you were working for your dad's company back at uh, around what year was that?
1: Well, from 2000 to uh, 2008, I uh, so for okay, eight years okay. I was on the you know design uh, design slash sales floor, and our customers would come in and have an idea in their head, and my job was to uh, get that image of what their dream home was out of their head, put it on paper, put a price tag on it, and help them uh, produce it. So
0: that's awesome. I that know that that's not. That's not specifically an area of real estate investing, but I s I bet you um I bet you learned a lot. I mean, just being around it. Eight years is a long time, eight or nine years. So I'm sure you just got familiar with the jargon. Um and just I mean, when I when I was first getting started, which is not that long ago and I'm still doing a lot of getting started, but um I, I was like I was learning what a mortgage was like. I know a mortgage has something to do with the way you pay for your home, but I don't even know what it is. Um, so I bet you learned a, even a lot of that just by osmosis being in that role.
1: Oh, a ton like structuring construction loans is complicated, you know? Mm, and, yeah. Uh, when my business converted into a flipping business, that was extremely helpful for me to understand and know very, very well. So yeah, right. I think it kind of started the, uh, education process on how I was going to eventually uh, get into real estate and and create real freedom to where I get to choose if I work or not. So
0: yeah, that's awesome. Grateful for every little thing I learned, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that that does lead me here. My next question of what you're currently doing now. I mean, what are you up to, uh, now in real estate?
1: Well, what I do now is I, I buy properties, uh, from people who no longer want that asset, or wanna keep that asset, um, but don't really wanna be a landlord and have to deal with tenants. So um, most of the people I'm dealing with have some sort of motivation, but not all of them. Some of them are just motivated by money. And then I buy those properties, I take title to them, and I fill those properties with what are called um, uh, tenant buyers. And uh, that's what I call them anyway. But they're people who are wanting to buy a home but don't currently qualify for a mortgage. Um, you hear people talk about lease purchase, lease option, um, owner financing, things like that are the way I fill my properties. Um, and the reason I do it that way is because I don't want to be a landlord either. Um, however, um, having somebody living in your property that, uh, is trying to purchase it, uh, and they take care of it, eliminates all of my repair expenses, having to deal with a a tenant calling me every other week because their toilets clogged and Things like that. So I buy properties, I hold them, <clears throat> I put tenant buyers in them, and uh, they sometimes execute their option to buy, but more often than not, they don't. And so I just continually um, kind of repo these properties and keep filling them with people who are who don't qualify for mortgages. That's what I do.
0: It's interesting. Um, I know very very little about lease options. I know. Um, I mean, I've just you know learned. Um, maybe just as much as anybody poking around in real estate investing, I, um, it's, I know that there's some kind of, um, an upfront, uh, uh, fee that you, that you get, and that's part of, uh, as, as the owner of the home, um, leasing it out, uh, that, and that's part of the, the draw to it for, for you. And then they get in there. And then the other thing is you mentioned, they um they take care of the home because they uh, at least have the option to buy it, and I'm sure that they think that they will most of the time they're living there, so they take care of it as an owner instead as as a tenant. Um, what? Uh, so those are just a couple things I know. Uh, break that open well, a little that's, bit that's more really for
1: important. me. Yeah, that's really important. That one of my favorite sayings, and I've actually stolen this saying from uh, uh, Joe Crump, who's a another real estate investor that I learned a ton from. But nobody washes a rental car but they all wash their own car, right?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So making sure that your tenant is an owner is very important, right? Um, and there's, there's a lot of benefits to um, filling your properties with people who um, are trying to get a mortgage, right? For a couple of reasons. One, Let's say the mortgage payment is higher than what fair market rent would be, right? So everyone that says, "Oh, go out and buy a bunch of rental properties and uh, retire rich," well, that's an excellent, excellent model for building wealth. But nobody talks about how crappy it is to be a landlord. <clears throat> you know, they all sure. they say, "Oh, you just go out and buy these properties; they cash flow." Well, all I can tell you is, I buy a lot of properties from tired landlords. And 80% of landlords never stay in the business long enough to um, uh, have the properties paid for and retire rich because they can't stand being a landlord.
0: So, so what I did
1: is... I'm sorry, that, go
0: ahead. Uh, that, that's interesting though, because why do you say you don't have to be a landlord? Because aren't don't you still own the property or do they own it while they're leasing it? How does that work? Aren't you still technically I, a landlord and fix the toilets when it breaks?
1: No. So hmm. I uh, am the owner of the property. And uh, they are uh, renting to buy it, or in some cases, they're owner financing it, right? So let's say you own a home, right? What if your toilet breaks? Are you going to call Bank of America and ask them to come unclog it, or are you going to call a plumber?
0: Hmm. Interesting. But I, I don't. I'm not leasing the house from Bank of America.
1: Well, but you are trying to buy this house, right? So a lease purchase slash uh, uh, lease option is somebody that's, uh, well, let me, let me tell you the difference between the two first, right? Okay. So a lease with the option to buy, you are leasing, right? And you are a landlord. But a lease purchase, you've agreed to a purchase price and you have a closing date that's on or before a certain period of time. And the only reason there's a lease in place is because you have to have a legal document between you and the buyer until they actually close and get their own loan, right? So uh, the when you hear the word lease option, that's somebody saying, yeah, I'd like to have the option to buy this house at some point, right? A lease purchase, there's an agreed upon number um, and that and agreed upon closing date or a term of um, when they're able to buy this house for this certain amount of time. And, uh, they have to put down payment money down just like they do when they go to the bank to get a loan. Now that money comes off the purchase price and it does get applied to the purchase when they choose to uh, execute that, uh, uh, agreement. But that's the difference between the two. I do zero repairs. I don't do, they buy the house as is, and they're 100% uh, responsible for uh, that home. Okay. Now, so that's in the contract
0: house. or the terms of the lease, I it guess, is. is that they're responsible. Okay.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, and just remember that they're trying to buy a house. Like in our marketing, we're telling everyone: if you're looking uh, to rent this home, this house is not for you. This home is for somebody who wants to be a homeowner, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, we're giving them the option of being a homeowner before they qualify for a mortgage. And as long as they do pay their uh, payment on time, and they repair their credit or record their income, whatever their issues is on why they can't get a mortgage. When they're ready, they can buy the house for that agreed upon price.
0: And that, that when they're ready is variable. You said there is an agreed upon date, but can that, I guess, flex based on their situation?
1: Well, the beauty of what we, what I do, and and it's hard for me to say it's the beauty of what I do because uh, it can sometimes be uh, seen as unfortunate for a tenant buyer, but sure more often than not, the tenant buyer never executes their option to purchase the home, okay? So what that means is that home comes back to me without having to foreclose, okay? So I just uh, take the house back or if they decide not to pay, I evict them like a tenant um, and I get that house back without having to go through a foreclosure proceeding like a bank does. And then what I do is I market that house again, I take another down payment and uh, give somebody else the option to buy that home. Now I know that 80% of the time they're not gonna buy, and here's why. When you're repairing your credit and you can, let's say you bought a $300,000 house, or let's say $200,000 house, and then you repair your credit and now you're able to uh, buy the house that um, you have under contract with me, well, as soon as you realize you can look at every house out there for 200000 you don't need my program anymore, right? You can just go buy a house like everybody else. So instead of saying the people that end up executing their, uh, their uh, option to purchase, they are people who want to live in that school district. They love the house. They never plan on moving and so forth. But once people uh, get to a place where they can get a mortgage, they don't have to buy just this house anymore. When you first met them, they might have been looking at one, maybe two uh, lease purchases because that was the only way they could own a home. Now they're looking at 25 to 50, maybe even 100 homes that are all in their price range. So they may choose not to execute their option to purchase, right? Um, And in in some cases, they never get to the place where they can get their own mortgage. You know, you you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Mm -hmm. So... When we get them prepared to buy a house from us, we look at their credit score. We know exactly why it is the way it is, and we we educate them on how to uh, get to a place where they can get their own loan. But I'd say eight out of ten times they don't do what we tell them. You know,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: in the way. They get a divorce or job loss or who knows what the situation. Is. It's always something. So the only reason I'm pointing all this out is that what I teach the if, what i know for sure is a sure way to retire stinking rich and i say this because i watched some of my father's friends do it is buy a bunch of properties have somebody else pay those properties down and then you retire with millions in assets right right so and this is a 20 30 year process but this is something we know for sure it's also um um More out by the market. So, when we have ups and downs, as long as we own the property and and maintain ownership, why do we care? Right, sure. Property, you know, so over time, 20 years from now, these properties are worth millions of dollars. And so, this is a tried and true way to be wealthy. But the part that stinks is being a landlord. So, what I tried to do with my program is say, okay, I'm going to buy a bunch of properties so I can retire really, really wealthy, like some of my father's friends but I don't want to be a landlord. So when I started studying these options and these purchases and owner financing, I thought to myself, here's the, here's the way out. Right. So here I can, I can just be the bank. And I had a little bit of experience as a bank already because I had done some hard money lending and that's another fantastic business. Um, But let me tell you, uh, Brandon, why this business is in my opinion the best way to get, Uh, real true wealth from real estate when you're wholesaling properties or short selling properties or you're flipping properties or in, in my case I was short selling flipping doing some hard money lending every I was only as good as my next deal I had to keep flipping houses I had to keep wholesaling houses I had to keep finding people to loan money to so that I could continue to generate an income So every single real estate business that I know of, other than this one, I have to keep doing deals. I have to keep working and keep working. And what they teach in their programs, you know, their wholesaling programs are a dime a dozen. Everyone, their brothers teach in wholesaling. Half Mm of them aren't even doing it, you know. And that is a very difficult business. I mean, try to get on the phone and talk people out of 50% of their equity. You know, it's (laughs) crazy. And you have to spend a fortune on marketing. I yep, spend less definitely. than 500 bucks a month on marketing. <clears throat> my wholesale buddies, they spend anywhere from five to 50,000 a month on marketing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they'll tell you I'm only as good as my next deal. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So the benefit of owning wealth comes from ownership. You'll, you'll probably hear me say that over and over again. Yeah. Uh, the bit. morning and I talk, but if you don't own it, you know, you're never going to be able to retire wealthy. Now, there are people out there that says that say own nothing and control everything, right? The Rockefeller yeah. uh, way to get rich. <clears throat> um, however, that can create a lot of problems, right? If something goes wrong with one of my properties, I can deal with that. I can choose how I'm going to fix it or what I'm going to do about it, if I'm going to keep it, if I'm going to sell it, whatever it is that I want to do. But if you are controlling other people's property and their life changes and they need to do something different than what they agreed to with you, all of a sudden you've got all these problems, right? So there there are a lot of people out there. In fact, one of my really good friends um, teaches own nothing and control everything. That way, if the market tanks, you don't have to worry about anything, right? It doesn't impact your credit. You don't lose anything. Um, so don't buy anything, just get it all tied up with contracts and cash flow on other people's assets. Um, and I think that's clever, but I don't like it. You know, I I just don't like it. When you own the property, you get to decide what you do with it. You get to depreciate it you get to write off the interest you're paying on it. It's, um, it's just the the way to go for me. So
0: why, uh, when you say like other businesses, I I can totally um um I see what I see what you're saying uh, I see that that like other people are only good as is their next deal they're constantly hustling constantly uh, pushing to and, and marketing huge uh, huge marketing budgets I see that um why I I guess I'm I'm not connecting why lease options don't have to do that don't you have to go get deals just like everybody else.
1: Well, that's a that's a good question. And I think we jumped into lease options without really talking about the entire business, right? So ultimately I don't care how you buy properties, but let me tell you what you're gonna run into. If you go out and start buying a bunch of properties and using the money, using bank money, the bank's gonna stop you at probably ten to fifteen properties. You'll never ever be able to buy any more. So you have to start thinking of more creative ways to buy properties. You know, ask me how I know, right? So the way that I buy properties now is I buy them subject to their existing financing, I buy them on owner financing, or I buy them on a combination of two, what's called a multi-mortgage deal. So let's say you're a motivated seller, you have a $200,000 house, you've got a $100,000 mortgage, and you think you have $100,000 in equity, but you really don't, you know, after negotiations, commissions, closing costs, blah, blah, blah. You're going to walk away with probably 60, 70,000 of that hundred grand, right? Mm -hmm. So I come in and I say, how about instead of you walking away with 60 grand, I will uh, guarantee 75,000 and I'm going to pay you interest every single month on that $75,000 until I'm able to give it all to you in a one lump sum. And what I mean by that is I'm gonna take over the payments on the $100,000 mortgage. I'm gonna put a second mortgage in place for $75,000 that's payable to them from me. So I just made them the bank, right? And I'm gonna pay them a 5% return on that 75 grand uh, for as long as I own this property, okay? Now, if my tenant buyer exercises their option to buy, I'll pay off that first mortgage, I'll pay them their 75,000 and I keep the difference plus whatever principal pay down we got during the process. Okay, so that's kind of how, uh, one way that I buy houses. Now let's say they own it free and clear. I'll pay 100% of fair market value if they own the property and they'll owner finance me at 0%, right? So 100% mm-hmm. of my payment goes towards principal. Now they're getting their, their money in payments But a lot of people enjoy that and because let's say it's a second home or it was a rental property for them. They're going to have to pay capital gains on that uh, investment. So because they sold it to me on owner financing, they only have to pay taxes on the installment payment that I make to them every single month. And the interest, if it's not an interest-free loan, let's say it does have interest, the interest that I'm paying them offsets their capital gains and their depreciation recapture. So their CPA loves our deals. So anytime someone says, well, let me talk to my financial advisor and see if this makes sense for me, I always know I'm gonna get a deal because I've structured the deal to where it makes the most sense for the seller to say yes to me, right? Okay. So um, everybody's in one of three situations. They either have a mortgage on their property and they have no equity. They have a mortgage with some equity or they own it free and clear one of three situations every homeowner is in. And so I can structure a deal no matter what the situation is. If they don't have any equity, I'll just take that note subject to its existing or buy that house subject to its existing financing and I'll take over the payments on that note. I take the deed to the property and then I put somebody in there that uh, is paying me a monthly payment every single month like I'm the bank. And I'm creating cash flow between what I owe the bank. Let's say I bought a note at you know four percent, and I'm charging them six percent. Even if I paid a hundred percent of fair market value, that property still cash flows for me. And in a five year period, um, it's developed some significant equity, some depreciation, and uh, a significant amount of principal pay down. So um, the tax shelter, the monthly um, uh, cash flow, the depreciation of the property, the appreciation of the property, and the principal pay down is how I make money on properties. So I have five different income streams from each property that I get. Now before, and you and I didn't cover this, but uh, I had a short sale negotiation company that was a feeder uh, for my flipping business from 2008
2: to 2014. And my
1: partner and I, we flipped just under 300 properties during that
2: Whoa. time
1: period. Wow. I know, it was crazy. I had literally no life. And guess what? I was only as good as my next deal. Right. And I, I enjoyed doing it. I really did. And, and the guys that are out there wholesaling, my hat is off to them. That is the hardest business in real estate that I've ever seen. You're trying to beat people up. You have to be the negotiation ninja to even get people to talk to you. <laughs> and then to get a deal to go through. Is even harder, yeah. right? So you're, it's just a crazy tough business. You you really have to be gifted to wholesale. However, everyone and their brother makes wholesaling sound so easy. Oh, find, right, a, seller, find right. a buyer, put them together and make two or three grand and move on to the next one, right? Well, it ain't that easy. And you have to do a ton of them to, to make any significant amount of money. And in order to talk to enough people to make that much money, you have to spend a fortune on marketing. So these right. guys that get into wholesaling go broke spending money on marketing and never do a deal. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's sad to see, you know, <clears throat> now flipping's a little different. The problem with flipping is you got to be on the site. You got to manage contractors. You got to make sure that you're buying them right. Right. Cause you make money when you buy it, not when you sell it. Right. And so it's a, <clears throat> it's a constant grind. And I like that, you know, my background's custom home building. So I enjoy um, seeing old, homes that I can, you know, make better and sell them for a profit. So it's something I really enjoy doing. But it didn't create any financial security or retirement for me. All of the real estate business that businesses that I've seen outside of what I'm doing require me to work forever or or trade trade a job for another job or work myself out of a job by making enough money to where I can hire someone to do what I do. Right. And so that's that's a lot of work, and it's not easy to do. Right, I've done it, you know, and, and I did enjoy it, <clears throat> but I had no life. You know, I made a lot of money flipping houses. I lost uh, some money too, and I would consider myself a professional when it comes to flipping properties. I've done a lot of them, but even I've lost money on properties that I flipped. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I thought they would sell for more than they actually sold for. I put way too much money in some that uh, I couldn't get back out. I mean, it was a it was a tough business, especially now when everyone and their brothers trying to do it right. It's hard yeah. to buy them right.
0: Yeah, it 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 definitely is. Um, the you've you mentioned you know a couple times that um, that people who uh, are always looking for the next deal, how that can be you know uh, uh, that can be a, a grind, um, and how when you're lease optioning or lease purchasing i don't know if that's how you say it right but the if you're doing that um that that's not necessarily the case that you're a little bit more secure um can you explain that a little bit and and why that sure. would be
1: yeah i'm glad you asked that question because uh if you don't keep me on track brandon i'll go off all of <laughs> no it's all
0: it's all really good stuff <laughs> jason it really is yeah
1: um so here's how this business works you Uh, work the grind, or you spend your off time doing this business. So for me, I was able to do it full time because um, uh, my partnership with my brother uh, didn't work out the way I thought that it would. And so uh, when my brother and I decided to part ways, I had no job. So I was able to focus 100% on this business. And I was able Mm -hmm. to build a business that uh, cash flowed enough for me in just six months, to where I did, I had enough income coming in to take care of my uh, daily life, you know, my bills. So um, once I, so here's how it works: you you grind at this business for let's say someone like me who can do it full time can do it in uh, I'd say no no more than a year. You can build a, a big enough business for me. My expenses were about six thousand a month. So I had to generate $6,000 worth of cash flow before I could break even, if you will, or get to, to where uh, my bills were covered by cash flow on properties that I owned. Now, I did two things. I reduced my bills from $6,000 down to about uh, $5,200 or something like that. Uh, so my wife and I looked at our budget. Uh, I knew that I was the partnership was splitting up. And so we said, all right, let's get our expenses down as low as we possibly could. We got them down to about 5200 and I started buying properties like crazy. <clears throat> and so I didn't use any of my own money. I went out and bought these properties subject to or on owner financing or a combination of both, and then I filled those properties with lease purchase. Or, or what I call tenant buyers, right? So, so let, let me,
0: buyers. let me actually, sorry, let me interrupt you and ask you this, not to get you off sure. track, but um, the, no, when you say that, when you say, um, so what I did is I, I buckled down and I went out and I bought a bunch of properties. Um, I hear that a lot, right? I hear like, so I learned, I knew what I had to do. Maybe it didn't sound like you were in too tight of a, of, of a pinch, but some people, you know, they, they lose their job or they, um, they get fired, whatever. And then they're like, so I just did it. I went out and I bought a bunch of properties. And to me that when I first started learning, that was motivating and that it's been so long and I'm, I'm struggling to find my first deal. That is discouraging to hear because I'm like, what? How did you do that? So uh, I know you can't go all the way into it, but what did that mean for you? What did that look like for you, Jason, to say, um, all right, let me just buckle down and buy a bunch of properties. What did you have to do to buy a bunch of properties? Because that feels so unattainable to me as a new investor yes
1: well so that that was i'm glad you stopped me and i think that especially for your audience this is a really important question so i'm so glad you asked it so for me um uh, i had to figure out how i was going to start buying properties with no money right Yeah. so i got because i had no money i invested all of my savings into this partnership with my brother and, um, I had no money. So when I say my bills were 5,200 a month, I did not have 5,200 to cover my bills wow. that month. Wow. Okay. So I was, in fact, the, some of the education material that I bought, um, I used our last 200 bucks to buy it. $197 course that I bought. And then my wife had to borrow money from my mother-in-law to buy groceries. Wow. So that's how bad it was. It was temporary, but it was horrible. It was probably sure. the uh, At work. the time, you don't know it's
0: temporary, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And for me, I was, you know, we made half a million dollars just two years before that, you know, uh, mm, doing wow. flips and, and the short sale business, and, and I, I I had to split that with my partner, so I made half of that. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of money to me, you know, yeah. to have nothing. Um. So anyway, um, here's what I did. I educated myself on how to how to buy properties with no money. And so I just started watching as many YouTube videos as I could. I finally found Joe Crump and Marco Rebel. So Marco Rebel is probably, I think he's the the master at buying properties with no money and structuring deals that make sense for both people. So I really enjoyed um, learning from him. However, uh, his program was expensive and out of my reach. Um, to go to one of his uh, conferences I think was like two or three grand and I didn't have it and so um, I started I found this $197 program I, uh, that Joe Crump had and it basically said here's all here's my whole business you know watch these videos and these uh, listen to these audios and you know here's some scripts start calling people so I listened to all those videos I followed it you know one after the other And I just started calling people. I uh, opened up the paper and I looked at local houses that were for rent, houses that were for sale by owner. And I just kept reading the script over and over again. And I got hung up on, cussed out. It was obvious I had no idea what I was doing, (laughs) you know, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: I was desperate, you know. So I just kept pounding the phones and pounding the phones. And about two weeks in, after talking to well over 100 people, somebody let me come to the house and talk to him. And I was like, oh crap, now what do I do?
2: Oh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So so I go there and I sit down with this guy and uh, he this was a rental property and so he was investor-minded and he knew I didn't know what that heck I was doing. And so he kindly asked, you know, we finished our conversation. He said, Jason, when you've done this a little more, um, I'd love to talk to you again. And I was like, oh man, you know, I thought I had one on the hook. Right, right. You know, and so I uh, tucked my tail between my legs, and left, came home, told my wife, like I don't, I've been trying to do this, and I don't think it's gonna work, you know, and blah blah blah. And then uh, all of a sudden, I got a call from a friend of mine that was moving to Florida, and uh, he says, "Hey man, we owe more than our house is worth. I'm not sure what we're gonna do, um, but uh, my job's moving us to Florida." I thought, oh, my goodness, this is an opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, he ended up having to bring $12,000 to closing. But I was able to take over the mortgage on that property. He brought twelve grand to closing, and um, I was able to do my first, first deal that way. And so um, it, that deal just kind of fell into my lap. And the guy was my friend, right, so he trusted me. So I, right, sure. I didn't have a trust element that, which is the right. most difficult thing to get over. You yeah, know what I mean? So I was able to do my first deal uh, with a friend that needed what I um, had to offer, you know, and he had no idea that he could even do that. So the education that I paid $197 for trained me in a way that made me smarter than the seller. Right. And so I, um, not smarter, but, uh, I had more information than he did and we were able to put a deal together. that made sense for him. Now in the process of this, um, deal, you know, having 12 grand was nice, right? So, and because I own the property now I get to decide, do I stay in a position to where do I give the bank the $12,000 so that I, um, am in the house for, you know, what I was willing to pay for it not more than it was worth or do I keep that 12 grand cause I'm broke, right? Yeah. So I get to decide, so I kept the 12 grand and if I had to do it over again, uh, I wouldn't have changed anything. I still would have kept the 12 grand because I still own that house today. I've got about $60,000 in equity in a house that had negative $12,000 equity when I bought it. And uh, the tenant buyer that's in there has been absolutely fantastic, paid on time every single month. I've never heard from them in uh, four and a half years And, um, uh, that property I haven't put a single dollar into it. So that worked out great. Now, one of the things I failed to tell you during this time is I was, uh, working on a loan modification for my own home that I lived in because I was broke and couldn't afford to pay my own mortgage. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the process of learning all this, I decided instead of letting my house go to foreclosure, I'm gonna put a lease option tenant in my own house. I'm gonna take a large down payment from them. I'm gonna get my loan current with the bank and I'm gonna go buy another house subject too. So um, I found a house, a motivated seller, um, that was trying to sell their house for two years and couldn't sell it. And You found them by, uh,
0: how did you find that seller?
1: Well, that particular person, uh, she knew me from uh, the custom home building business. Okay. So um, she solicited me years ago to build her a house and we were going to build her a house, but she couldn't sell. uh, It's the house I live in now, this house. Um, So she couldn't build the new one. So listen to how this deal went. (laughs) So I sold my house on a lease purchase, took a $20,000 down finished the loan modification on that house. So my payment went down drastically, right? I think I had like a one and a half percent interest rate. And I knew how to do that because I owned a short sale negotiation company and I could figure out, you know, how to structure that deal. So I took the twenty thousand that I got from uh them on my house. I gave that twenty thousand to uh Deborah, the gal that I bought this house from And then I assumed the mortgage that was on the house for $380,000. So uh, the way this whole thing worked out is I got my my loan modified, put a tenant buyer in there that was paying me almost $1,000 more than what my modified loan payment was for their payment, because I'm at 1.5% and I charge them 6%, right? Because I'm technically an owner financing them. And then... I bought my house for a hundred thousand dollars less than it was worth because they couldn't sell it. And then my brother got to build them a house and made 50 grand on the new build. So nice. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So really that was the beginning for me. of when I knew it was real, I knew it was legitimate and legal and that I could do this. And so once I uh, had those two deals structured, my friend's deal and then the deal that I did for myself, I knew it was possible. I understood the ins and outs. And that's when I really started pounding the phones and getting people to, they understood that I knew what I was talking about. Because sure. when I first started this business, Brandon, and I thought, who's going to give me the deed to their house? Yeah. What if, what if I don't make the payments? It's going to ruin their credit. You know, it's. Uh, I would never do that if I was them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had all that going through my head and scaring me from taking action. And uh, if it wasn't that I was desperate, I don't I think I would have quit if I don't know the truth.
2: You yeah. know? Yeah.
1: Uh, and I had spent all this time educating myself. I didn't have any more time to educate myself on anything else. So right. I just went all in, you know. And uh, since then, you know, I've done over hundred and forty deals uh, wow. up to date. And uh, as you and I were talking earlier, um, I did, I think I did in the last year and a half, I did probably 10 deals maybe. And those were all deals that uh, just fell into my lap uh, because I was caring for my dad. Right. So Mm -hmm. I built such a reputation uh, for uh, what I do that uh, those deals that came to me were just deals that that were kind of, um, hey, call Jason. He can help you. Right. Right. Uh, and I got to spend the last year and a half with my dad uh, caring for him, which was unbelievable and unheard of with any other business I've sure. ever been a part of. You sure. know? So, yep. but here's here's the trick to real estate for me, Brandon, and I hope your listeners understand this because sometimes I, because I understand it, I uh, I speak in a way that mm. might not be super uh, understood, right? So, <clears throat> building a portfolio of properties that cash flow for you enough to pay for, let's say you're making 10 grand a month uh, with your corporate job or whatever job you have. If you can build a portfolio that generates $10,000 in cash flow um, a month, you can quit your job, right? And you can choose to do whatever you want. Now those 10 properties over time, someone else is paying down that mortgage, someone else is taking care of that property, you're depreciating it every year. It's going up in value every year. And then twenty years from now, you know, to generate ten thousand dollars a month, let's say you've got uh, twenty properties, and those twenty properties average, uh, you know, two hundred thousand a piece. Today, let's say they're worth $300,000 20 years from now. Right? How much money do you think you need to retire on? Is six million enough? You know, I mean, I don't. I don't know what it is for you, but right, right. it's a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. I have a portfolio. Now I have I own a lot of properties and I write, you know, uh, big checks to the bank, right? And until those properties are paid off free and clear, I don't get to keep that cash. I have to, you know, pay my mortgages. But when my properties are paid off free and clear, and I try to pay one off a year if I can with the money that I make from my business now. Um, I could, you know, like $10,000 a month today, three years from now, that's thirty or $40,000 a month because I get to keep it all, right? right. I don't have to write the check to the bank. So by owning assets that other people are paying for, once you get to that $10,000 mark where your income is being um, uh, supported with passive income from the cash flow, any additional cash flow that you get on top of that you use to pay these properties down right and so the sooner you get them paid down the wealthier you become that makes sense the quicker yeah. yeah definitely so the the big picture with real estate in my opinion oh sailing's great flipping and i love but those are both jobs and at some point they come to an end and with my business i only buy pretty houses i don't buy crap that i have to fix up You know, I, when I buy a house, I'm moving a tenant buyer in there 30 days later, you know? And so my transactions are quick. I get paid to buy, I get paid to sell and I get paid during the process and I'm building a retirement portfolio that I can only dream of. You know,
0: how do you purchase properties that aren't, how do you find a a motivated seller who's not in a distressed property that they like, you know, they don't have their life together and they haven't been taking care of their property. That's where I understand the distressed sell- the motivated sellers are. How do you find people? And then how do you not pay top dollar for this?
1: Well, sometimes I do pay top dollar, right? So that's okay. the, another thing that's nice about my business. I don't have to beat you up for your equity, right? Because I'm making money over time. So when you have a wholesaler call you and try to steal 50 grand of your equity, and then you have me call and I say, nope, you get to keep it all. Who are you going to do a deal with? But
0: if you pay top dollar, how do you? Oh man, I may be thinking of this all wrong, but how do you? Uh, well, how is your payments per month not uh, so high that you can't make money, you can't cash flow?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. I don't teach to pay pot, top dollar. I pay between 90 and 95% is top dollar for me, unless yeah. the property is owned free and clear, right? If the property is owned free and clear, I'll pay 100% as long as they give me a 0% owner financing loan. So 100% of my payments going towards principal, right? Mm -hmm. Now, my tenant buyer, do you think I'm going to give him 100% of his payment towards principal? Mm -mm. No way, right? So I'm cash flowing on that property every single month, and I paid 100% of fair market value. Now, that's rare, right? Because even when you do find someone that owns the property free and clear, they'd rather be pay interest on their money, right? Right. right. Depreciate it. So in most cases, I, I'm paying ninety to ninety five percent of fair market value. I like buying in the eighties, and because I have a portfolio that supplies all of my needs, I don't have to buy properties anymore like I used to. Sure. So personally, I don't pay more than eighty to eighty five percent of fair market value. Now, when you're getting started, you might have to pay more to get deals done. Um, yeah. in, in some cases, in a really hot market, you can pay 100% of fair market value. And one year or two years later, that 100% is already down to 90 or 95, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're banking on a good economy when you do stuff like that. And I don't think that's smart. Uh, but what I do think is smart is owning properties, however you have to buy them. Now, some people say, well, I can go to the bank and and borrow money and, and, you know, or do a bunch of BRRRS, which is, you know, um, cool, I I like that. But at some point, the bank's gonna cut you off. Well, fine, buy as many as you can with the bank's money, but don't rent them. Put lease purchase uh, tenant buyers in them because they take care of the property. You still get the benefit from being a landlord from a financial perspective without the headaches of maintaining properties. So, Hmm. Now, I here here's two things that are important. When I repo a property or I have to take a property back, I do sometimes have to pay and replace carpet, right? Um if it's anything worse than that, I'll file an insurance claim, you know. I haven't had to do that, but let's say someone trashes it. Well, it's
0: really surprising you haven't had to do that. Well.
1: Wow. Yeah, well, remember these people are trying to buy it. They think they own
0: it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: here here's something that'll blow your mind. Forty percent of the properties that I take back are in better condition than when I sold them oh, because they're because they're taking care of them and, and improving the asset, right? So for example, I got one back with a completely finished basement. This guy had to oh, put thirty God. or forty thousand dollars in finishing the basement.
2: Wow. You know?
1: And then he gets a divorce and has to walk away from the deal. You know, I was like, golly, man, why don't you throw it on the market and sell it with a real estate agent and then, you know, get your money back. And he said, well, I don't have time for that. (laughs) Like,
2: okay,
1: you know, so, and here's the other thing. If you take a large down payment from these people, that's great. I I think it's good to get large down payments because it's non-refundable, right? That's like you going to the bank and saying, hey, that 50 grand I put down on my house, can I have that back? I don't want this house anymore, (laughs) right? Right, right. You can't go to the bank and get your down payment back and neither can they, you know. Uh, we try to put our put ourselves in a position of a lender, not a landlord. So that's really important mm, to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the lenders always win. I learned that when I was doing hard money loans for uh, people that were flipping properties, right? So at the end, when I was flipping properties, I remember there were properties where I might have made two or three grand, but my lender made 20. Sure. And right I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is backwards. I'm in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started doing hard money lending myself. And it was a lucrative business. The problem is, you got to keep finding people to do deals with. You know, yeah. it's another JLB. So.
0: Uh, and why do you not have to keep? You've probably explained this three times, and I've just been too thick to understand it. But why? Um, why do you not have to keep doing deals to be to create wealth in the least purchase strategy. Why is that not still a hustle? Like you're still hustling because to- you
1: because you only need to buy enough properties to where they cash flow and supply your basic needs. Right? Okay, so you're if saying you-
0: it might be it might be a grind to get to that point. You you do have to find them, and you do have to. I guess it's all within um, the timeline that you set out for you and your family. But you um, you do have to, to to push there at the beginning. But it's not a it's not an endless. It's not a no light at the end of the tunnel. You you get to a goal and then you can stop.
1: That's exactly right. So I have students that have full-time jobs that do this on evenings and weekends, and it takes them three or four years to build a portfolio to where they can quit their job. And I've had some that have built portfolios that uh, they could quit their job, but they chose not to because they like their job, right? Mm -hmm. Now, guys that don't have a job or lose their job, I've had students that knew they were going to lose their job and were desperately trying to figure out a way to uh, generate their own income, and that's, that's how they found me. And so guys that are doing it full time, if they're pounding the phones and they're talking to sellers, I mean, I, on average, it takes my students three months to get their first deal, to get paid on their first deal, right? Get it bought and get it closed. Um, But I've had students do it in two weeks, you know, and I've had students that close, you know, one deal a month. I have one student that uh, averages seven deals a month and one month he closed 11, you know? So... It's And that guy, let me tell you, his business is far greater than mine. I, I'm kind of a, um, uh this is going to sound terrible probably, but I'm not really motivated by money, right? Mm-hmm. I'm motivated by doing what I want and money helps sure. me do that. <laughs> All sure, right?
2: sure, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so um, freedom for me is really important. And uh being able to spend as much time as I want with my family, now they probably get tired of me <laughs> you know, every now and then, but. I never get tired of them. I have Mm -hmm. two grandkids now, which I absolutely love spending time with. And I never have to say no. I've never Mm -hmm. lived a life like that before in my life. And I know people talk about Ferraris and Lambos and beach houses. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of that, but I, I mean, I have stuff, you know, I, I own six vehicles. I have a motorcycle getting ready to buy a, uh, uh, paragliding, uh, I want to fly around with a fan on my back, you know, so I'm going to buy one a, a paramotor motor and a, a wing and fly around my neighborhood. And so I get to kind of do whatever I want. But if someone looked at the amount of money I have coming in each month, some people will say, man, Jason, you are filthy, stinking and rich. And some of my friends who are really, really rich say, Hey man, 20 grand a month's not that much, you know, mm-hmm. but for me, that's a ton, you know, it's a lot of money to me. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, I'm a little different, but my students, like uh, uh, Eric, I was just telling you about that closes seven to 11 deals a month. I mean, he's totally money motivated. This guy has a portfolio. I mean, he's probably going to have a billion dollars in real estate probably in the next two or three years of just single family homes, by the way. Wow. You know? And that's, a, that's something else I wanted to cover, at least with you, Brandon, whether your people uh, get a lot out of this or not. I know you're, you're, Uh, really wanting to get into the real estate business too. But the reason I don't do multifamily is because with multifamily, you have to, now there's nothing wrong with it. You know, large apartment complexes, lots of doors. I think that's great. Um, But when you go to exit, you have to find another investor to buy that property. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So people that buy duplexes and fourplexes and, you know, stuff like that, um, they're never going to get full market value because investors don't pay full price
0: for anything interesting
1: and there's a lot less of them out there right when i need money um i just sell a property you know and i can throw it on the market and you know i have tons of buyers out there retail is an awesome place to go for cash but a house lasts about as long as a human life right so as long as people are having babies uh houses are going to be in demand yeah. So, exit strategies for single families is why I do single family residence. Okay.
0: Interesting. So. Um, I have s- so many other questions about um, the the benefits and value of doing a doing a lease 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 purchase and lease option. It's just um, you have so much insight and it's it's really interesting. I I'm gonna kind of switch uh, switch gears to why would you. Um, Why would you not? Right. Like, in what uh, maybe a better way to say it is, in what situation is a lease? I I, making sure I'm saying it right, lease purchase is what you do, right? Because there is a difference between lease purchase and lease option.
1: That's correct. Now, the uh, owner financing is nice too, right? Um, However, if you owner finance someone, you don't get to depreciate the property or write off the interest. So, by maintaining ownership of the property, you can do that with the lease purchase.
0: Right. Okay. So, so the
1: option you could yeah. get forced into being a landlord.
0: Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, do you, so, want, wait, do you
1: want me to break down all three of those? Brandon?
0: Um, I, I guess if that helps you answer the question of just like what I, what, what, what my high level question is, is what, uh, and what situation is it? Is it not the right move? Right. Cause it, uh, Maybe you, you have a seller come to you and they lay out their situation and you say, oh, I'm actually not inter- interested in this deal because I do le- lease purchases and ABC criteria of what you're bringing to me doesn't fit that. What What is that criteria? What doesn't work for this strategy?
1: Um, so stupid people are hard to convince to sell you their home. Uh, smart people who understand investments um, are easy to sell to. So there are people out there that have their house listed. They're trying to sell it and I'm trying to buy it. And they say, I don't want to do that. And I say, okay, why? Um, <laughs> what, well, because um, uh, I want to get full price. I'm offering you full price. I'm offering you more than you're going to get if you were to list with a real estate agent, actually. Well, I don't know. This just, I've never heard about this type of transaction before. I just don't want to do it. You know, I'm, um, and then they'll hang up on you or, you know, you can't convince people like that, right? Um, but somebody who is financially savvy loves our deals. They don't need to be motivated because they're making, they're taking an asset that they were just getting ready to dump, right? I just want to sell it and be done with it and move on to my next house, right? Here's something else I tell everyone. You don't sell assets. You acquire them. Why anyone would sell a house on purpose? I have no idea. Do you know what the average net worth of a renter is less than five grand Mm. owning properties is really that's why everyone gets wealthy in real estate because they figure it out right so um uh someone who's not motivated if they're financially savvy and you can convince them that this asset well let me give you an example okay so you're the seller you owe a hundred thousand on two hundred thousand dollar property I buy, I take over the payments on the note, I'm taking possession of the property, which means it's my responsibility if the tenant trashes it, and you're gonna be making money on your 100 grand every single month. You don't have to worry about a tenant, you don't have to worry about the property, you don't have to worry about taxes, insurance, and your money just keeps sending you a check every single month. You know, like when people get $100,000 in cash, they have to figure out something to do with it, right? am i going to throw it in my ira am i going to invest it in, you know stock market what am i going to do with it well the stock market's been great don't get me wrong but they could lose it all right this so you're not paying earners- any of
0: that stuff on a home cuz you own it you're not paying the taxes on it
1: no no i pay the taxes but you okay. as a seller no no longer have oh that's to, what right? you're saying
0: okay sure sure yeah, yeah. that cuz that's what you're saying is the enticing thing about them for them yeah yeah
1: Exactly right. So you're the seller, I'm the buyer, and I'm telling you, I'm going to put that 100 grand to work for you. Okay. And it's backed by a substantial investment, right? Piece of real estate, something you can touch and feel uh, and appreciates over time uh, based on history. Or you can invest it in the stock market and make six to 8%, but you could also lose it all, you know, and you have nothing. You know, you have nothing to secure your 100 grand. I'm securing mm-hmm. your $100,000 with a piece of real estate and I'm paying you interest on it. So a savvy investor, they do those deals all day long. So they don't have to be motivated. They just have to be smart. Now, motivated sellers, they come in all different shapes and sizes. Oh, I bought another house. I can't afford two payments. Oh, my uh, husband left me and I got the house and I can't afford it. You know, There's tons of uh, reasons why. Motivated sellers will sell to you. But the beauty of our business is we're paying top dollar from an investment standpoint. We're paying top dollar. Uh, We can close whenever they want. And they're making money on their equity if they have any. If they don't have any equity, they're getting rid of an asset that they didn't want anyway or they wouldn't have put it on the market. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So we're solving both problems. We're helping them. I tell all of my students, if you think for one second that you're not helping the seller, you're not doing your job very well. You know, if they think that you're trying to take advantage of them, and this isn't a win-win for you and them, then you're not explaining it right.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, or you're not asking the right questions, because in our business, asking questions is probably more important than talking. Um, because yeah. when you find out what people's situations are, you can structure the deal to help them. So I always ask, why are you selling and you know, what's your reason for this? You know, and that one question will tell you usually how you need to structure the deal. Not always, but usually, oh, it's my mother's house. She passed away and I'm the only sibling. So I need to do something with it. Or, um, you know, we bought another house. We're making two payments and so we need to get rid of it or, you know, whatever the reason is, my job transferred me. Oh, yeah, when's your job start, right? Because then you find there's some pressure there.
2: (laughs) It's got to sell it before mm
1: -hmm. April, you know, or whatever. So by asking them, why are you selling? What you're doing is creating, uh, gets your mind working on how to structure a deal they can say yes to. And you, you get to solve their problem. So you're not, you know, I can buy anyone's house. I don't have to buy your house. I'll go buy someone else's. But you know what? You have a house to sell. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. And
1: and you need someone to buy it. I don't need to buy your house, but you need to sell it. So, yeah, positioning is really important in negotiation. Right. And the way I choose to position myself is as someone that can help them. Uh, If they think I'm some shady investor that's trying to steal all their equity, you know, I don't do that to people. You know, I yeah, like that's
0: uh, that's so that's just that's interesting and um and enticing, right? Because I that's it feels like so many areas of real estate that's what you have to do. Like you have to be a shady investor who comes in, and we all try to say, you know, a lot of people will say, like, it, you know, we're helping them. Um, we're helping. We're helping them by getting the house off their hands and stopping foreclosure. A lot of times, that's absolutely the case. But I feel like. If I get, if I do enough deals, inevitably I'll be that guy, right? Like somebody who's taking advantage or trying to squeeze uh, every bit I can out of somebody in a difficult situation. And I just, I hate that. I hate that that would be the option. So it's interesting in a strategy like this to be able to pay uh, what they need in a fair price um, that everybody can yeah. be happy with.
1: It's, it's what makes the difference. If I told you, Brandon, you need to go buy this house at 70 cents on the dollar or you need to go buy this house at 95 cents on the dollar. Which one do you think you'd be able to do quicker? Right.
0: Sure. 95.
1: You know what I mean? And because we're able to do that because we make money over time. We, we own the property. We buy it. Wholesalers, they're flipping it. Right. And people who are flipping properties, they're trying to create a spread. So I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't want to knock those guys because they're, they're a business to make money too. But um I don't have to make money off the misfortune of other people, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't. Now, if, if somebody offers me a uh, property at less than, you know, fair market value sure. uh, or what I'm willing to pay, I, I don't say, no, I'd rather pay you more. <laughs> you know what I, mean? That's, <laughs> I don't do that.
2: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. But um, I really do feel like I'm helping people. And, and as soon as I feel like I'm not, or as soon as I feel like this transaction is not going, I don't feel like I'm helping them and they're starting to uh, put pressure on me that's unwarranted. I back out of those deals. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is already starting off. Not so good. You know, sure. I've got four four other properties I'm looking at this week and uh, I'm going to try to buy all four, but uh, I'm going to buy the ones that are easiest for me to buy too. And, you know, I thought you called me, right? So sure. sure. Guess, <clears throat> but um negotiation's a lot easier when you're paying more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I run into that uh all the time. It's like I just I can't I can't offer what they're asking. And so I'm just like, well, and then they just go find somebody who's who's willing to pay 100% in cash. And it's really hard to compete with those people. It's hard, really hard to compete with people like you, Jason. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, You know what though? Wholesalers love my business, right? Because they finally figure out a way to where they can buy properties, own them and get out of the rat race of, you know, sure. being as good as their next deal. So mm-hmm. half my students are ex-wholesalers. Okay. Makes now the sense. good thing about that is they're good at negotiating lower prices, right? Sure, sure. That's what sure. they were trained to do. So yeah. they're in deals, you know, better than some of my other students who don't understand wholesaling. But
0: yeah, absolutely. I don't care
1: about that. This is the uh, long game, not the short game.
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. um What is uh, uh, switching gears just a little bit? What is the um, biggest mistake that you see new new investors uh, approaching this strategy, whether they're new at the strategy or just new in real estate uh, period who are trying to uh, implement the lease lease purchase strategy? What's the biggest mistake you see people making or maybe the most common?
1: Hmm. Well, always in real estate, the biggest mistake is not taking action, right? So sure. I for me, I was desperate and that Being desperate forced me to do what I needed to do. And I I don't know if I would have if I wasn't desperate. So taking action, of course, is number one. But in my business, talking to sellers is everything. Finding buyers is a piece of cake. One in four people can't get a mortgage today. When you get a piece of property, selling it on a lease purchase is a piece of cake. So I didn't worry too much about finding buyers. So that part's really easy. But being able to communicate with a seller, overcoming the trust level, right? like you're getting ready to take over their property, the mortgage stays in their name, if they have one, and if you don't make the payments, you could damage their credit. Um, you know, these are all things that we make them sign that they understand they have to sign a seller disclosure. But I think that the the most important part is learning how to structure deals and being able to explain how those deals can be beneficial to the seller is really the key to this business, you know now if you don't want to buy properties with no none of your own money this business is really easy but i didn't have any money and now that i've learned how to buy properties without money i don't use my money to buy properties
2: yeah. you know
1: so uh, why would i ever do that you know i'd rather sure. buy a maserati you know yeah right
0: so right.
1: i've had my eye on one of those for a long time you know nice. but nice. <clears throat> um but I, um, the reason that I don't use my own money to buy properties is because I'm using that money I'm generating to pay down properties that I already own uh, because I want to start keeping that money that I'm making on the property instead of giving uh, 90% of it to the bank, you know?
2: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: Interesting. Um, well, okay, so let me um, uh, switch gears once again um, and ask you, uh, this is always... Uh, interesting to hear answers. I, I learn a lot just even uh, to hear how people, how people uh, answer, but where do you see yourself, um, in one year in your business, uh, in one year from now, what are you, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing? What are some, uh, goals that you have for a year from now? Um, yeah. What does that look like?
1: Uh, well, for me, I currently have a few new goals. So, uh, as we talked about before, I was taking care of my dad until December of, uh, last year he, he passed mm-hmm. and so that kind of rocked my world for a, you know a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. derailed me again i'm grateful for a business where that didn't impact me financially Absolutely very right. much but um it was so i haven't been doing much so in the last two months uh, i finally hired an assistant so i've been i've built my entire business by myself by the way which is there's something nobody on your team about. There's, my daughter uh, does my marketing. Once we buy a house, that's it.
0: Holy <laughs> so, moly. I had written on my notepad here. How many people do you have on your team? Cause I'm like, it's gotta be pretty big. Wow. That's really, that's yeah. really impressive. Well,
1: well, think about this. All I do is talk to sellers, go to closings and collect rent. Right? So, um, I don't have all the um, headaches of property management. You know, I don't manage properties, which is really where the time is in rental, in the rental business, right? So once I buy it, I close the deal, done, right? Then I find a buyer, close that deal, done. The only time I ever have to get involved in that deal again is if the tenant misses a payment um, or their lease expires and we have to get a new one uh, put in place, right? Mm. Or I have to go to closing because they chose to exercise their option to purchase. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of activity. So I get to focus on buying deals. Now, I did all the marketing and everything uh, for my buyers uh, myself when I started the business. But about a year ago, I actually, maybe it's been two years now, my oldest daughter uh, had two children. And she wanted to work from home. I said, great. You know how to use Facebook? She said I am on it every mm-hmm. day. I'm like great. You know, so
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, she's she's handling all of our marketing. Has done a fantastic job on you know getting the properties out to people that uh, need our services. And uh, once she finds someone that qualifies, she turns them over to me. I show them the property, and uh, if they like it, they put earnest money down, and we put paperwork together, and they're moving in. You know, a week later. Mm-hmm. But I just hired an assistant and we're setting goals now. So, uh, 12 months from now, uh, we will have over a hundred deals in our, we currently have 44 properties and we're going to have over a hundred properties in our, uh, my personal portfolio in the next 12 months. And, uh, I want to help at least, uh, 24, uh, students, uh, get to a $5 million portfolio in the next 12 months. So. That's my. That's amazing. Person,
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's really, really great. Um, it's it's also great to it's great to keep a business lean and to not have overhead. But uh, I'm sure that getting help and getting an assistant will also uh, you'll see that return uh, in multiple, right? I think. I think well, once good.
1: you, yeah, even though I don't have the hassle of being a landlord, it's still once you get so many properties, there's still a lot to be done. The yeah. paperwork. I don't. Yeah. I don't like doing the paperwork. I hate it. So now I, you know, I'm at the kitchen table with the seller. I call my assistant and I say, hey Judy, I need you to put a contract together. Here's the seller's names. Here's the terms. And you send that over to me so we can sign it. Instead right. of me having to go back to my house, fill it all out, meet with them again, you know. And right, all that. It, yep. You know what I mean? Yep, that so, makes
2: sense.
1: Yeah. And there's a rule, right, in business. So if you keep it small, you get to keep it all. If you mm-hmm. start hiring people and your expenses um, outweigh the income of a the business, then what'd you do that for? Right?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so, <clears throat> cool. And well, I, I can tell
1: like you that. this, Brandon, that you, you're you probably learning this the more you do these podcasts. But the gurus that make millions and millions of dollars a year, guess how much of it they get to keep?
0: Yeah, right. Their overhead is huge. And,
1: yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, I know mm-hmm. a guy that currently, you. Probably heard of him if I shared his name. I know that he makes twelve million dollars a year in his real estate business. Wow. And last year he was only able to keep three hundred and fifty thousand. Wow, you know and I'm thinking, wow. Why? And he's got headache after headache after headache. And I'm like, I do not want to be like you, dude.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So and wow. I'm in this mastermind group. So I get to hear all of his woes about his business and blah blah blah. I'm thinking, you make twelve million dollars a year, and you have woes? And then sure. I found out. He doesn't really make twelve million
0: a year. Wow, you know, interesting.
1: That's that's not as gross.
0: Um, that's interesting. Well, uh, okay. Let me let me ask you here another question as we start wrapping up. Um, you, if you could go back uh, and tell yourself, um, back in I guess two thousand or maybe two thousand eight, whenever you kind of consider things to to start as you're doing it today, um, if you could go back and tell yourself then. Uh, one piece of advice that you think would save you the most trouble um, in the years that you've been doing real estate, what, what would that piece of advice be?
1: I would have never bought an ugly house ever. I would have only bought pretty yeah, houses um, the entire time. The amount of money that I make on pretty houses, and, and here's something else that I think a lot of people overlook, you know, you try to get a deal on an ugly house and then you put 50, 60 grand in renovating and you sell it, you make 20 or 30 grand. Well, guess what? I could negotiate 20 or 30 grand out of a house. I don't even have to touch. So mm-hmm. why would I go through all that time and effort of flipping a property when I can just negotiate it out in one day instead of spend six months renovating a house to for somebody else, right? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I would focus on pretty houses because mm, it's changed everything for me. So
0: when you you do this, when you do that, right, when you uh, focus on pretty houses and you purchase it um, uh, near top dollar and maybe 85 percent or so, um, how are your margins? If I put my if I crunch numbers with uh, a near retail price, I could never get I could never get myself to be green, I would feel like.
1: Yeah. So let's let's talk about it, right? So let's say uh, you assume a mortgage on a property at 95% of fair market value.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the rate on that mortgage is 4%, right? Mm-hmm. So you sell it to your tenant buyer at 100%. So you've made a 5% spread right there, right? <clears throat> and you've taken at least a 5 to 10% down payment from the guy. And you're charging him at least six percent in interest every single month, right? So that's property. Increase
0: the the rate by like two or two percent or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's what I usually mm-hmm. do. So if I'm paying, if I assume a mortgage, I don't assume mortgages over five percent because I don't oh, like okay. charging more than seven percent in uh, interest if I can help it. Yeah, sure. People will pay it, but I feel like i take advantage of them. You know?
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I just don't like doing it, and I don't need to. When I first started the business, I'd take I'd assume anyone's mortgage. I didn't care what the rates were. You know? <laughs> right, right. But now I, you know, that I know what I'm doing. And and some of my students, there's deals that I would tell them to do that I wouldn't do today, because mm-hmm. they the deal makes. Uh, I'm trying to squeeze every penny I can out of a deal that I know is a long term. Uh, you know, in real estate, there's what are called uh, quick nickels and slow dimes, right? So mm-hmm. I, all I ever did was quick nickels and slow dimes are where it's at. So <clears throat> the problem is you got to weather the storm until the dime comes. Right? Yeah, sure. So, so your uh,
0: margins are big enough because that 2% interest covers the, the extra. It
1: covers the, cost the month, yeah, month? yeah. So remember that I, I don't do deals. I don't sell deals on fair market rent. I sell all of my properties based on a mortgage. So if I'm selling that property for you or to you at 200 and I paid 180 for it, um, I created a $20,000 spread. I took that $200,000 mortgage, I amortized it over 30 years at 6%, and I included taxes, insurance, and PMI in that payment. And mm-hmm. that's what their payment is a month, right? So I know that uh, I might be paying PMI, but I'm only paying 4%. And uh, interest and I've got a $20,000 spread between what I bought it for and what I sold it for. But then and that's 80% that,
0: or is that 80? What, what percent is that? What of the value that you bought 90. it for? 90. Okay. Yeah, okay. So that's yeah. still pretty high. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So 90%. Now here's the other thing. I took a significant down payment, right? What's 5% of 200,000? I just took 10 grand 10, from them, right? Mm-hmm. So how many repairs can I do with $10,000 if they mess the place up? Sure. Right. Yeah. So, and I still have another $10,000 if they decide to execute their option to purchase. I still have another $10,000 spread between what I sold it to them for and what they agreed to pay. So now the other kicker there is that house might um, uh, appreciate in value, right? Sure. So now they get that appreciation. I don't because I agreed on a price, you know? So. Mm-hmm. There's benefits to them, benefits to us, and everybody wins. The people that lose in our deals are people who don't live up to their end of the deal. Yeah, if sure. my buyer lives up to their end, they just got a great deal. They didn't, you know, they had to pay 100% of fair market value, but they might have had to do that anyway, right? So, um, and no one else would give them a loan. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Interesting. Okay. Um, so the, yeah, it does. So the month to month then, because you're, ch- it's essentially for month to month, it's, you're charging more in interest than you're being charged. And so that helps because I'm, I'm just throwing super round numbers out here. If you're only getting a thousand dollars a month. Uh, so if you're only getting a thousand dollars a month from them in payment, um, and you're purchasing something at like 90% of the, f- of the fair market value, it feels like your payments would be you know, twenty percent, thirty percent—I don't know.
1: If I, if I well, crunch well, let's numbers, say this. Let's say yeah. my payment's eight hundred dollars, right? So there's a two hundred, and I know what my payment is before I sure. uh, sell this property, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say my payment's eight hundred. I'm not going to do a deal 200, with two hundred, less than two hundred dollars in cash flow, unless I was able to get a really low rate or an interest-free loan, or I was able to buy it at you know eighty or ninety percent of fair market, or eighty or less of fair market value. But don't forget this. There's a lot more money in this deal than just the cash flow.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, sure. A, but if you're negative a, cash flow month to month, you can't do the deal. And I feel like I would come out red every time, but maybe not.
1: You won't You won't do the deal if you come out red. Why yeah. would you do that? Right, right. All of our deals are in the black. I've never lost a dollar on a property ever. In fact, I've never even come close. Not even, not even close. In fact, I don't even know if it's possible because I wouldn't have bought the property to begin with, right? So now I've had times where I've had to evict uh, a tenant that uh, didn't leave quietly and I had to make two mortgage payments where no one was paying me, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However, I had a large down payment that covered my expenses and the cleanup of the property. And then I filled it with another tenant buyer that gave me another large down payment,
2: right? right? right.
1: So it's like, uh, I haven't figured out how we lose yet. You know I haven't lost yet
0: interesting All right, Jason. so I also know that you um you have a coaching program is that right? Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: sure yeah I um try to help people kind of get their real estate business off the ground as uh, you know and in fact, one of the reasons I was uh, compelled to do your show is um, because it's hard to get a real estate business off the ground mm-hmm. and so um real estate for the rest of us I thought was pretty clever right so um some guys just have a knack for it and some guys don't And the learning curve is so huge especially if you're doing you know creative deals you know it's not just traditional uh, buy and sell but so i have a one-on-one coaching business where i uh, help my students close their first three deals and they get to work with me personally and i think that's the quickest way to get your real estate business uh, off the ground however um, my time is valuable and um, it's expensive to do that, and I'm only one person, so I never take on more than uh, ten students at a time. Okay. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm more comfortable with eight uh, personally because tens a, a lot of uh, a lot of time on my part. So <clears throat> um, I can only coach so many people at a time. So one of the things that I am doing, I'm in the process of doing, is building uh, what I'm going to call my business in a box. And, uh, people will be able to buy that for, you know, a thousand bucks and they can, they'll have my entire business,
2: yeah. uh, at
1: their fingertips, they can learn at their own pace and so on. So I want to help people do what I've done. Um, the freedom that I've created, um, when I really think about it, um, kind of blows me away, you know? And so I, uh, want to be able to share that with as many people as I possibly can. And so I think the business in a box is going to allow people that can't afford to get into my coaching program to still build a business, maybe close a deal or two. And if they decide they need more help, they can enter the coaching business with money they made from their real estate business instead of having to, you know, take it out of like a savings account or investment or something like that. Right. So that's that's what we do. You know? That's cool.
0: Um, that, that's really unique. That's not, that's not something I've heard before that, um, that the coach helps close the first few deals. I think that that's really neat. That's a really uh, unique spin on it. I like that a lot. Um,
1: yeah, when you I, hear it, it's usually so expensive, you know, like I've seen yeah. one-on-one coaching be as you know, high as 50 grand, you know, and, uh, sure. you know, mine's reasonably priced. And, and I think the, the thing that I really enjoy about the way I've structured it is there is a, a significant upfront fee. Um, but if my students do what they're told to do or taught to do, they get sure. all of that upfront feedback and their coaching only cost them five hundred bucks a month, right? right? So I've tried to make it as affordable as possible, especially for those people that do what they're supposed to. And I always say, you know, the people that uh it's a six month coaching program, one on one coaching program. Okay. The people that do what they're supposed to do, they get all their upfront money back. And the people that don't, um, you know, I just you know, say I get paid poorly for six months of my time, you know, mm-hmm. so they don't get their initial feedback, but, um, ultimately, um, the coaching program is designed to only cost $500 a month. So, okay, cool. And that's, that's unheard of for one-on-one coaching coaching. Yeah. Program.
0: Yeah. I certainly have never heard of it. That's cool. Um, yeah. so as you're working with your students, um, and as you're, you know, you're helping them in their areas, I'm, I'm assuming it's not just, um, in your local area, but it's, uh, anywhere.
1: All over the country. You know?
0: okay, I okay. even have
1: a student in Israel.
0: So, Oh, wow. Uh, okay, cool. So yeah, is there is there working in their part of the country and you say, all right, I'll help you close your first three deals and give you some momentum. Um, how do you, uh, I'm assuming that uh, that would be a very, a very common sentiment. I mean, I even feel it of like, okay, that's great, but I have a really hard time getting leads. I have a really hard time actually getting uh, bites on, on properties that I can even talk to a seller. Um, how do you work with the students to ensure that they can get leads and that those deals can those first three deals can even be closed?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So lead gen is uh, really important and and one of the questions I get a lot, especially when I'm on podcasts is you know how much money are you spending a month on marketing right because' that's, yeah. that's a question that everybody. Uh, wants to know because in like wholesaling you know these guys are spending five grand to 50 grand a month on marketing so they can go through enough deals to get people to um, you know sell their property at a discounted rate to where they can make money so for me uh, most of my leads come from zillow and craigslist uh, for sale by owner signs um, people that have for rent signs Um, my uh, one of my students and i uh, have developed some software that um, our students use and I use personally to generate um, all of the leads that we use for our business. So that system costs $200 a month. And so I have a, I spend $200 a month on uh, marketing through the software. The uh, software is called Lead Machine Pro. And, uh, you know, your listeners can go to leadmachinepro.com and check it out, see if it's something that'll work for them. Uh, when it comes to my coaching program, um, I help my students uh, with the communication with the sellers, and all of that happens through that system. We've tried to make it as simple as possible to use, so it's not a complicated, you know, CRM. I've used a lot of yeah. them, and I can tell you the scrapers, the CRM, these things make these systems so hard that um, they're hard to use. Yeah. So I was using uh, Joe Crump's Auto Marketer for years. That's how I built my business. <clears throat> However, the auto marketer uh, just is cumbersome and doesn't work very well, in my opinion. And so um, I hired a programmer to uh, build software specifically for uh, my business and anyone that's in the um, wholesaling or uh, buy and hold or even flipping business. Uh, software would be great for that, too. And it's really taken off because it's simple to use and it's cheap and it gets mm-hmm. results. You know? mm-hmm. So. One thing I I do want to offer to your people, if they're interested, yeah. is they can. Um, uh, I took some of my students. Uh, one of the things that I asked them to do is uh, record the conversations that we have between uh, me, my student, and the seller. So, with my coaching program, I help my sellers or my t- my coach my students uh, close their first three deals and so uh, i'm on the phone with the seller i'm trying to structure the deal so all they have to do is go get the paperwork signed and uh, start building their portfolio so i have recorded some of those calls between myself the student and the seller um, for your listeners to listen to for free Uh, i don't usually give that out for free Um, i only share that with my students as an educational thing Uh, but um, if you're Listeners go to dealswithjason.com. They can download those seller calls for free, and they can hear me and my students talking to actual sellers that we've bought their homes. So
0: awesome! Awesome. Um,
1: That's anyway, incredibly valuable.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for offering that. Um, I'll make sure to put that uh, that URL in the show notes as well. Thank you for that.
1: Right. And if anyone ever wants to talk to me personally, um, they can schedule a. a, a call with me and you can do that by just going to calljason.org, and that has my schedule on there for all of my students and so awesome. they know when i'm available and they can book time to talk to me um, and they can always go to coachingwithjason at gmail.com and just send me a simple email hey i got this deal i got a question you know and i'll be happy to, to help your listeners if it's valuable you know
0: perfect jason i really appreciate that thanks so much and thanks again for all your time today and your insight
1: You bet, Brandon. Thanks for
0: having Uh, me. Yep, you bet. Take care.
1: Bye now.
0: If you guys enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. That actually helps a lot to get the podcast out there as people are looking for helpful real estate investing resources online. You can also like our Facebook page to keep up to date with new episodes as they publish. And don't forget to subscribe through whatever podcast player that you use. If you have questions about a specific topic that we covered, or if you have a suggestion about another area that you'd like to see me dig into, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. I'd love to get in touch. You can email me at brandon at Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. One show at a time, we'll work to make real estate investing accessible for the rest of us.